It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. And before I forget, this episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. The topic of associations comes up a lot on my show, and rightfully so. In order to do what you dream of doing, you have to level up your connections and be around people who have done what you want to do, people who think big, and people who support your vision in one way or another. I made a conscious effort to be around people who are like this in my life, and it has changed for the better, not only in the last five years, but even in the last 12 months. A big thinking person will never make fun of your dreams, but instead might ask you questions to help you clarify what you want and perhaps steer you in a direction to help you make that happen. Some people will clap when you win and others will be secretly happy when you fail. Know the difference and make every effort to be around those who lift you up and inspire you. You will be so glad you did. And before I forget, if you've not picked up my latest book, it's called Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2, and it features uh, interviews that I did with Kevin Harrington, Chris Powell, Brad Sugars, and so many more on this very show. I cannot wait for you to get it. The Kindle version is 99 cents on Amazon. The paperback version is also available. Once again, that is Success Profiles, Conversations with High Achievers, Volume 2. My guest this week is Aaron Hageman. Let me tell you about him. Aaron is the CEO of Delivery Drivers, a third-party HR firm specializing in last mile and gig economy. DDI onboards, handles accounting and taxes, and works on the risk management side of things for 1099 drivers across the country. Their transportation clients deliver everything from food and groceries to auto parts and medical courier products. Aaron is one of the nation's leading experts on the independent contractor status. Uh, and the nuances of 1099 versus W-2 employment, employment. And he's been a successful entrepreneur for over 20 years. His primary objectives are building teams, organizational leadership, strategic vision, and creating scalable businesses. And outside of work, he mentors and teaches entrepreneurial education to students of all levels and donates time to addressing homelessness in Southern California, where he lives. He's also been a global leader within the Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a global network of over 13,000 entrepreneurs in 70 countries. He keeps himself very busy, y'all, and we're going to unravel some of this right now so welcome to the show aaron hageman how are you aaron i'm great brian thanks for the longest introduction of the day i appreciate that <laughs> oh well you're very welcome you've been on a few shows today already no it's just uh well yeah actually this is the second one but that was uh, a lot of uh, good talking points from the bio I, absolutely I <laughs> and it, it helps in preparation for sure so let me ask you uh, did you envision early in your life that you would be where you are right now yeah, you know what? I think I've, I've always envisioned success. I've always set goals and looked at them. As soon as you achieve one thing, there's another bar to set. So in many ways, 
I've always wanted to own my own business and, you know, uh, you know, rule the world someday. Absolutely. So take us through that journey. What was your first entrepreneurial experience? Well, you know, really, I think uh, if I think of not the things I did when I was a kid and, you know, the ideas we had when we were smaller and the little things, but my first opportunity to work for myself came when I was in college. So what was I, 18, 19 years old? And I was doing independent 1099 work as a caterer in Southern California where I was going to school. And so I had the opportunity to do that, work for myself, even get a few customers here and there that really liked what I did and have a little book of business and, uh, you know, have that hustle for myself. It was cool. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. So did you scale that or did you sell it or give it up? So, no, I really just did that on the side. Honestly, it was uh, something I did while I was in college, had customers, did it for a couple of years, and uh, really never approached it beyond any scale at that point. Not with that idea. Okay. So why did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Did you reach a point where you realized you could not work for someone else? What was that like for you? You know, for me, I think it's a combination of the desire for freedom and independence across all fronts, whatever that means to us individually, you know, and it's time, maybe it's money, maybe it's to make the decisions you want, coupled with curiosity. I want to know all the different pieces, ask all the questions and be involved in often all of the different pieces of the business to some degree. So that really led me from early on to, you know, be an entrepreneur where you get to explore every piece of a business from marketing and sales to running the business to making sure you do your books and budgeting and taxes right. Yeah. Was this something that was in your family or are you the outlier? That's a great question, Brian. Um, my oldest brother has been an entrepreneur his whole life. So I think maybe our personality streak is comparable. Uh, but beyond that, no, both my parents, you know, had uh, regular day jobs, as it were, and things like that. So I guess, you know, me and my brother, the, the two, but other than that, not too much. Wow, that's great. So how do you know when you're ready to strike out on your own? Because some people never seem to develop the courage for that. Well, that's a great question. You know, I think it's got to follow passion. Right. When you've got a great idea and you can't stop thinking about it, and when you get a couple of, are you sure? That's, are you sure you want to do that? That's kind of risky. And you still go, yeah, I think this is great. When that passion starts to push you and it doesn't, I know it's a cliche, but it doesn't feel like work, what you're pursuing in the day to day efforts, you know, you found something. I think that's where usually it connects for most entrepreneurs. How do you assess? risk because there's risk in everything we do. I think you have to calculate somehow. What is, what is that like for you? Great question. One, I'm a data nerd. I lean on numbers. So I really look at risk quantifiably, you know, Hey, like I want to start a business. I run the numbers. I think I, it's going to cost me this much to run it for six months. Is it worth the risk to take that shot and say, Oh, I didn't make it at six months. Right. You know, but secondarily, risk is important to us. Uh -huh. You know, what is risk defined as individually? And I think to all the listeners and to each of us ourselves, we got to think, you know, is risk defined as money? Is risk defined as time? You know, early on, I had kids young, for example, and I didn't want to sacrifice time. I wasn't willing to risk that often, right? That became a very uh, hard thing for me to risk. So it's just, how do you define risk to yourself? I think we'll have to answer that. Yeah, I certainly can appreciate that. What was your rock bottom moment and how did you get out of it? 
Man, rock bottom moments. Well, if I'm being honest, I've probably had a few. Sure. Um, but you know, I think the rock bottom moments, if I think of business, mm-hmm. I think early on, when you're in a, the long game for business, and so with my company DDI, we've been in business almost twenty-five years now. And there's always stages where we take two steps forward and one step back or three steps forward and four steps back. (laughs) But you got to have faith in the long game. And I remember losing some big clients because they got acquired right early in the game. And when I lost 30, 40 percent of that revenue and had to lay off the first employee, it was really tough because I had to just take that one step back. And that was years and years and years and years ago. But it was really a hard kind of what felt like a rock bottom moment at that time to be able to get past and say, I can keep going. No, get your head up. Go get that next customer and be willing to take the next two steps forward. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. Do you have coaches and mentors? (laughs) Absolutely, I do. What a great question. I think we all need them and I I have them in different things for different things in my life. But 100 percent, I do. So I, I love that you said that because a lot of people have different mentors for different things. And some people try to find one coach to handle it all, but that's, it's not possible. You can't be a jack of all trades because you'll be a master of none of them. So what are some examples of different areas in your life or your business where you do have a coach? Sure. Great, great question. I mean, I look at almost all of my C-suite partners. If I looked at like my CFO, it's somebody who's going to be better than me. First of all, as an entrepreneur, I, I got to go right to the people I would look at, even as a CEO, as peers to me in the organization. You're the leader on this side. You're my chief revenue officer over here. You need to be of the talent to teach me something there and to mentor each other in our respective areas. If I'm leading with strategy and they're leading with execution on their pieces, that's one. Absolutely. <laughs> Second and thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, please. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, no. Go ahead. Well, and the second pace, if I just give you, because there's a bunch of thoughts to my answer, but an important one to us for myself and us at DDI is emotional intelligence, actually, and EQ, and making sure we have coaches that actually have psychology degrees and work with our leadership teams and myself personally, truly, uh, to make sure we are looking at things from an EQ side of things. You know, why are we feeling this way is as important as, okay, what's happening because we feel this way. That's fantastic. What were some of your biggest challenges in getting started in your business? Man, that's a great question. For me, I was a solopreneur. Mm. And, you know, for DDI when I first started out. And as a solopreneur, it was the desire to want to wear so many hats. Right. We've all been there early in the game. And that was a, a hard challenge early on. And so getting past that first step, sort of getting out of your own way, that became one of the goals. Sure. No, I certainly can appreciate that. What do you think it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? We've got less than two minutes until the break. Sure. Uh, If I were to give a short answer. Yeah. uh, I think it comes down to uh, never ending learning. Really? If you're a leader of an organization, it is always changing in different facets and some areas of your business change faster than others. And so I think you got to really focus on that desire for never ending learning and always improving. Fantastic. We are coming up against our very first break. My special guest is Aaron Hageman. We're going to talk about the gig economy and his company helps drivers, delivery drivers, 
fine work and handles everything associated with that. We're going to unravel that and unwrap it when we come back. And we're going to talk about the value of being an uh, independent contractor and why that is the safest move for your career in the next year. We're going to talk about the boom of the gig economy, and we're going to talk about so much more. Please stay with us. Don't go away. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will be right back shortly. Be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's words you never heard. There are more cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mideastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Fluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Aaron Hageman. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, please do so. Leave a five-star rating if you believe it's worth it, and I would look forward to that. Thank you so much in advance. So, Aaron, let's talk about your company. Uh, let's talk about specifically the idea of being an independent contractor and why that's the safest move for your career in 2021. Uh, great question. Yeah, happy to talk. 1099s. That's what we uh, live and breathe at Delivery Drivers, Inc. Um, why is it the safest? I think of a couple of things. One, I think of the up and down world we live in, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, COVID-19, the economy's changing, economically shifting from this side to that side, more robots. Who knows? Right. And if we have one job and we put all our eggs in one basket of W-2 employment, you know, there's risk if you're furloughed. 
associated yeah. with that, for example, right now, versus, yeah, work with four, five, six gig partners, you're a freelance graphic designer, you put your services out there, it's busy over here, it's slow over there. You diversify your income. And we've heard a lot of those stories from drivers in our network over the last, well, 12 months with that particular thought in, in, in mind. Great. So the the best way in a very, very simplified form to describe what you do is you're essentially an Uber for delivery drivers, correct? <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that before. Yeah, that's one way to look at it, I suppose. You know, we like to play the back office network partner for drivers and for gig economy delivery companies, all different types of companies and retail partners, and then the drivers as well. Fantastic. So what are some of the key differences between employees and freelancers? Uh, great question. Um, first things first, it comes down to control, right? It's independence. When you're in an employment scenario, you're subject to the rules of your boss. Hey, Brian, you got to show up at 8 a.m. and do the show at 9 a.m. and be done by 11 o'clock and make sure you clock out for lunch. <laughs> you know, those are the rules. And so first things first is you have the independence to choose where, when, and how the jobs are often done. You can take a contract, negotiate those terms, and fundamentally it comes down to who's in charge, the worker or the company. That's one of the first main pieces of the puzzle. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about what you see the future is for independent contractors in the next few months. Uh, again, great question. Uh, the short answer is growth. Really, there are lots of studies that have been taken, and there's some surveys that show 80% of businesses out there are considering expanding the use of contingent labor and 1099 workforces over the next few years. In one format or another, maybe it's just supporting jobs or maybe it's expansive, you know, uh, growth within certain workforces around 1099s. But there's absolute growth uh, in the next not only coming months, but in the coming years. In our space of delivery, probably don't need to overexpand this point, but the need for delivery in coronavirus times and into heading into 2021 overall is something that every business is pursuing right now. Oh, yeah, especially restaurants, for example, who maybe are scaling down their dining in. And in order to survive, they have to be able to carry out. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think the conversation goes further. I think Best Buy has the same conversation. I think Pier 1 had the same conversation and just filed for bankruptcy. And, you know, I'm just throwing out a couple of ideas. But I wholeheartedly agree we do a lot of work in DDI in the restaurant delivery space. And I feel for all of my restaurant owner friends, I mean, they are forced to pivot right now but to survive. All right. So the companies that you partner with, they could do this themselves, but they probably don't have the manpower or the resources. So it's easier for them to source that out to folks like yourself, right? Exactly. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Just a turnkey partner. You want to figure out how to build your own driver network or expand your driver network or look at doing your driver network better, bringing some more benefits programs to the table because we are all about doing the 1099 driver game correctly at DDA. That's fantastic. So what can someone do to prepare for the possibility that maybe their job might be outsourced and, and, why driving might be a great option for them? Well, again, if I think the, uh, about the question in the context of 1099s and maybe beyond driving, mm -hmm. you know, 
having that agility and being prepared is is super important. So looking ahead to other options from what you're doing today, if you're worried about job security, is really important. Now, driving is a great opportunity to your question, Brian, mm -hmm. because it's an easy point of entry. Most people, depending on what you're trying to doing, don't need too much extra insurance or it's a small adjustment and you have a car, you have a resource that's available and you could jump right into work. And it's not just Uber. There's lots and lots of delivery products out there and delivery partners out there, you know, beyond Uber or food. Um, so so driving is, is easy is one to think, to think about. But to the first part of your question, I think if it just comes down to always learning and, you know, trying to keep your ear to the ground for, for new opportunities to expand what your skill sets are. Absolutely. So do you think that the growth of the gig economy is pandemic specific, or do you think there's a huge upturn for this type of work even after the pandemic is over? Yeah, I think the uh, pandemic has been fuel to the fire Yeah, in the, in the simplest sense. Uh, we've saw seen the upturn in the numbers. Uh, from the data analyst side of our teams uh, well before 2020. Uh, but uh, studies have shown that, you know, things like this just become, as I said, really an accelerant. It just got us all here a couple of years faster than we thought we would be with the volume of deliveries we're seeing now. That's that's awesome. Do you see potential for automation in this industry? Because a lot of industries are doing that. And I'm thinking, for example, drone de deliveries. In certain spaces, Yes. Heck, I think we need the robots. There's such a demand for deliveries in certain spaces that there, there is an opportunity for things like drones or driverless vehicles to support some of the growth around what we need. But it becomes – the challenges we've seen to this point become very uh, product-specific. You know, what am I delivering? Is it groceries? Can I get upstairs? Or is it something I can deliver via a drone and drop it? Is it fragile? Is it food? You know, how are we doing things? So uh, there's much, much more automation across all fronts. Um, and so it's interesting to see things like pharmaceutical deliveries and some of that stuff have some interesting uses of uh, robotic soldiers. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about how you started your company. Where did you get the idea for it and how hard was it to get going? You know, that's a great question. Um, I got the idea for this, I think, per previous conversation or the earlier part of the conversation here when I was doing independent catering. Uh, when I was in college doing 1099 work, I, you know, there was a need to do this. So in working with the local restaurant catering company in Southern California, where I was at the time, um, I was working in the office and I just had the opportunity to meet another company or two in the network and see if they were interested in it and really expanded the idea. I being interested, I was going to school for a law um, not specifically employment labor law, but I was going to school to study at the time to be an attorney, and I connected the dots on the need for the delivery space specifically at the time, uh, delivery and catering in Southern California, to, for us to do that program right because a lot of people were trying to use contractors, but there was nobody to help them to do it right. So I thought if I could help this one company and then another company asked me to do it that there was an opportunity there and uh, got some legal advice on how to put a couple of things together and Never turned back. Fantastic. How did you end up partnering with some of these larger companies? You work with Walmart, you work with Amazon, you work with restaurants. How did that happen for you? What goes into finding partners to work with? 
what's the uh, what do we say? It's the uh, twenty overnight twenty year success story. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, to me, I think. Let me give you a better answer for uh, you know success profiles radio. I think it is about networking. I believe in the value of relationships and all the cliches that come with that. Your network is your net worth and things like that. And honestly, maintaining great industry relations is something we have done at DDI and I've done personally uh, very consciously for years. So having good vendor partners that can make great introductions, it's a great way to grow any one of our businesses is to really make sure we are active in our industry space and you know we're a thought leader in the 1099 labor solutions piece so our automation and ability to apply our technology at scale is where we were able to win some of those big accounts absolutely so fantastic so tell us you you've teased what you do a little bit you onboard people so people who are applying for delivery driver gig work you onboard them you handle taxes you handle accounting you handle overall support right yeah, sure. <laughs> That's a, a simple, quick overview. Okay. Did you want me to expand on that a little further? Yeah, further? go ahead. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. There's three pieces of the puzzle is what to, if we slow down and talk a little bit about what we do at Delivery Drivers, Inc. So the first piece that helps both our driver partners and all of the companies that we work with is focused on onboarding. That is recruiting drivers to jobs around the country. So we are really excited to help tens of thousands of driver partners a month look for and find jobs in their local markets. So you can go to our website, you can call our offices, and you know essentially self-select and screen down to see what's in your local area in Phoenix or San Antonio or wherever you happen to live. So we're helping everything on the onboarding side. We run all the background checks and the motor vehicle reports um, and, you know, get all the onboarding documents automated and as easy as possible for all parties. So whether you need drivers or you're, whether you're a driver looking for more work, uh, we can help both sides on the onboarding piece of the puzzle. In the middle of it, we handle the accounting and tax work. Not to be too long-winded about this, but we're making sure we have the fastest, most automated tools for paying and doing all of the 1099 program nuances correctly. Paying 1099 workers daily around the country and real fast with automated tools and helping everybody keep all their taxes right and straight at the end of the year. Yeah. So for people who have never thought about being a delivery driver before, uh, what would you say are some of the benefits for embracing that as a career or as a side gig? We've got about a minute to the break. Sure. Well, to make it fast, I think let's go back to that idea around independence and freedom. Yeah. When we think of 1099 gigs, whether it works for you full time, maybe you're a student, maybe you're a single mom. And in these latter scenarios, you got to juggle schedules. So in a lot of these cases, if you're looking at 1099 work, maybe it's driving, maybe doing some other type of freelance work. Uh, really, in this case, that that flexibility is really what draws a lot of people to the all right, fantastic. We are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is Aaron Hageman, and he is the founder of Delivery Drivers, Inc. And we are going to talk more about that, the gig economy, and we're going to unwrap a whole bunch of stuff when we come back from the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will return on the other side. The mission 
is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. you're in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Aaron Hageman. And if you've not subscribed to Success Profiles Magazine, you can go to successprofilesmagazine.com and you can get a seven-day trial for a dollar. You can read every single issue we've ever done, including all the bonus issues, and there's other bonus content in there just for you as a subscriber. The December issue should be coming out here in the next week or two, and I cannot wait. Randy Gage is going to be on the cover, and we had an interview a couple of months ago, so that will be fantastic. So, Aaron, I would love to ask, if somebody does not want to be beholden to one employer, for example, Amazon, or for example, a restaurant, there's always a danger that that employer could go out of business or experience some downturns. And so the beautiful thing about working with a company like yours is they can apply for multiple gigs under one umbrella, right? Exactly. Run one background check for you, know it's portable, across our partners because we've got the network set up. Yeah. So you could drive for Amazon in the morning if you want to. You could do um, evening deliveries for a pizza place or a restaurant if you wanted to do something a little bit different. There are probably benefits and advantages to working with each of those types of of vendors. And so I, I love that. So as someone who has started and has been running a business for so long, what are some of the common mistakes you see in the marketplace today in terms of people who try to start their companies and scale it? Oh, great question. I think, you know, I coach entrepreneurs as well as I think you mentioned in the intro. And one of the, the things I often run into is when we find a roadblock, we lose a client, we don't hit a sales projection early in the game. Well, honestly, not even early in the game. A lot of seasoned entrepreneurs get to this. And and it's the impulse to pull back your marketing and sales efforts. You know, it's like the one piece you almost can't scale back when times are hard. And so I see a lot of entrepreneurs do that early in the game 
when they experience a first roadblock. And and it just slows you down. You gotta have that faith and keep moving. Yeah. It does blow my mind that when times get tough, the first instinct is to pull back on the thing that can bring you more customers. I do not understand that at all. It, it, it's just a matter of fear because when you look at your spending of budgets, right, you know, we often go, okay, well, what do I have to do? I have to spend this much to serve the client. Now what's left over? Well, this is what's left over and this and that. And it becomes, well, I guess I can cut that expense. But you're right. The logic, I think, in so many ways and it comes from fear because you're reacting in the moment is a, is a lot of, it's very inverted. <laughs> yeah. What kinds of adjustments did your business make when the pandemic hit? Oh, great question. Uh, for us, uh, we launched and accelerated our plan being in human resources and 1099 driver support. We were already exceedingly busy. As we had mentioned, when the pandemic became busier, we really had to up our investment on the business, not just in the business, as we often say. Mm -hmm. So we spent some more money on executive leadership and human resources. We really had to grow and expand and make sure we kept our company culture strong, our hiring processes diligent, so we could grow and scale and still continue to excel. That's fantastic. So are you involved in bringing coronavirus testing to the public somehow? You know, there are some conversations uh, around this topic. Quite candidly, no. I don't have any live projects where we're doing any delivery. And part of that current roadblock has come down to the need to control the distribution and the testing and, and everything on that end. So they're kind of having patients come to people. But I believe as we start to introduce scales of pandemic management, phase two, phase three, you know, when we have a vaccine rolling around, that things like testing will be available to, for distribution. I'm really proud of some of our larger partners uh, in the retail uh, world who have participated in supporting those uh, efforts as well. But there's not a lot of testing delivery going on yet. A lot of conversations around how to pull that off right. Sure. So I would imagine that some of your clients are in the medical industry. Is that right? Yes, different facets of that. Are there HIPAA issues that are in play when you work with those clients? Absolutely. Usually for us, looking at the driver's side of the business, for those clients and the needs that they have with the drivers, there's a lot higher scrutiny that we need to look at for the drivers who are working with those partners, whether it's privacy that you allude to with HIPAA or whether it's higher screening needs for drug testing and uh, background checks for access to certain buildings or information. Um, it becomes a much more scrutinous uh, process for those drivers, but it's a pretty good job if you qualify and you can make those gigs working with the hospitals. Uh, we work some diagnostics diagnostic testing labs. So as a driver, you'd be delivering, you know, blood samples between hospitals and labs and things like that. Right, right. Do you deliver home health care equipment? Um, what are you thinking of specifically when you ask that? Well, I remember when I had a life-threatening illness, um, I ended up um, being released to the care of my parents after my hospitalization, and I had to be on oxygen for three weeks. I see. So that's a great question. You know, we do some larger two-person, three-person team deliveries that need certain levels of specialization and installation. But specifically to your question, 
No, we don't do a lot of that. Uh, that level of specialization, sometimes a hospital may keep teams around just to be able to handle that or the medical equipment companies themselves. Got it. It, you know, for us, it's usually where you start to need 1099 workers is when there's a good amount of volume. You know, do you have a lot of samples? Do you have a lot of contract work around your hospital that needs to get delivered? Things like that. Yeah. How do you handle issues with drivers who don't show up for their gig? Well, you know, that's, I guess, the beauty of uh, being a gig worker, right? You work for yourself. So there's not a lot to handle from an HR standpoint. You know, you're not terminating the relationship. You work when you want. That's the, the nice part of it. Now, if you say, hey, company, I want a gig on Tuesday, they offer you one and you don't go, they might not offer you another gig the next Tuesday. Um, so, But it's really up to you. There's no repercussion. Drivers can stay in our network, look for more work. You know, it just becomes that whole feedback game, if you will. Sure. What would you say is the most memorable client experience that you've had? Wow. Great question. You know, some of the things I'm proudest of, uh, as I think about being an entrepreneur, um, are really helping see clients through their journey with that business. Cause I've been in business with this company for, as I mentioned, going on almost 25 years now. And to see a client maybe start this company and hit their goals and exit that company, sell it. We worked with a lot of restaurant delivery companies, big and small, um, that, you know, maybe we're just regional players like my buddy who had one in, you know, Asheville, North Carolina. And he was able to sell his business to Grubhub, you know, and have that exit. And I was able to see him run that journey over his seven, eight years. And so I'm really proud of that and everything that means, all the jobs we create and all that economy we you know, do and business we create around our communities is so cool. But just kind of see that journey, knowing kind of peer-to-peer and entrepreneur-to-entrepreneur is kind of what we're always all shooting for and, you know, to kind of play that game. It's really cool to see. Yeah, that's wonderful. So how do you connect with high-level people who can help you in your business? Well, um, Again, like, forgive the question back at you, but like, how do you mean? Like, what's the best way to connect with me? Or, you know, do you mean like kind of how tactically are we looking for advice uh, to get yeah. to suite What do you mean? Yeah, Adv- advice on how to connect with executives that you might want to work with. Yeah, I see. You know, again, I'm a big fan of maintaining good accessibility, for one, and a pretty good visible profile. So I love LinkedIn because, yeah. you know, at a certain point, Having a good profile on there, you pay the 20 bucks a month, keep your feature profile, make sure you put the stuff and the updates on there and participate in your world's conversations. Be visible. Very, very important. But the second thing is don't be afraid to ask. We've all heard it before, Brian, in all of our entrepreneurs shows and things and books we've read. A lot of very successful people are very open and accessible. You know, you just got to pick up the phone and ask or shoot them a direct message on LinkedIn or, you know, find a reason to call out. Nobody appreciates, hey, can I have lunch with you and just chat? But if you say, I would love to talk for 10 minutes about this idea, well, everybody's willing to listen. You'd be surprised. Sure. Absolutely. So what is your big why? Why do you do what you do? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I've thought about this many times over the years. And for me, it comes down to making an impact to people and to i have thought about this and i look at it through entrepreneurialism so my goal my entrepreneurial dream 
from starting as a solopreneur is to begin to create jobs. On my team, W-2 employment, DDI has uh, 60, 70 employees on payroll and W-2 employees, you know, and 20,000 drivers across the country, that these are jobs we've created. I've helped our clients grow. And that's that's the why. It's to be able to look at some of my, the people on my team that in their time with me, they've been able to get married, buy a house, have a couple of kids, you know, coach Little League in their community, our community. That, to me, that's awesome. That's my that's, that's fantastic. How important is gratitude for you? <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that. It's something that I have to lean on, I think, every day. Yeah. You know, there's some best practices on there. And, and I probably don't do it enough, if I'm being honest, Brian. But but when times are tough, to slow down and, and you know, be grateful in those moments is probably the best thing you can do to mitigate your anxiety or your anger or whatever emotion you have. Um, but also a lot of people, because we've been doing great things and as we create more jobs, people have been asking me, you know, hey, are you slowing down and being grateful on, on you know, not just in the hard times? And it's a good question because we work so hard and yeah, I, I need to do it more. That's, that's what I'm getting at. And it's Absolutely. Super- what do you think are some of the biggest things that hold us back from reaching our potential? You know, I think it's fear. I think, you know, when fear changes, you know, could be when you have a young family hey, you know. and you're, you're scared to make that risk because you know, you got a two year old or an 18 year old going into college. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and fear changes all the time. And I think we have to recognize fear when it's there. You know, what's making me pause if this is it right, is it wrong? Yeah, yeah. We got about a minute or so. Tell us, in a nutshell, how do you identify a good opportunity? Mm. Through the teams, through good leaders. Mm. I've participated in a few businesses. And, you know, what do we often say in the investment circles behind the scenes? The jockey matters just as much as the horse. So you got to have a great idea, but man, you've got to have somebody who who's invested and who's just smart, who's curious. You don't have to know everything, but you got to be in and you got to be curious. And if you've got the right leadership team on top of a good idea or a good product, you go a long way. I love that answer because when I asked Kevin Harrington that same question, his response mirrored yours pretty closely. The jockey matters just as much as the horse. So that's awesome. We're coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly we're moving through the show. We will come back on the other side. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. Down the structure we come when we return. Be right back. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com 
forward slash Brian. Funny2.com recently provided a list of reasons why men are happier than women. Men can wear shorts no matter how their legs look. Men can eat chocolate and not worry about muffin tops or becoming chuffy. Car mechanics don't try to deceive men with teradiddles about what's wrong with their car. Teradiddles are little white lies. Most guys have no fear of wrinkles or ritophobia. In fact, wrinkles add character. Men have a choice when it comes to growing a mustache. Men's underwear is $8 for a three-pack, and those three pair will last for most of his adult life. Well, ladies, men may be happier, but women have the last word in any argument, and that word is known as a sockdologer. Anything a man says after that will just be the start of a new argument. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Aaron Hageman, and he is the founder and CEO of Delivery Drivers, Inc. And they help people in the gig economy, specifically those who are delivery drivers. And what a beautiful, beautiful niche that is. Let's talk about the importance of mentoring other people, because that is important to you. I know you do a lot of that. When did you realize that was something that you wanted to spend time doing? It's funny. I think my first experience where I realized the value personally in mentoring was actually back in high school. You know, when I would help teach others, I realized I learned a lot myself. Sorry, I got a little loud here. Did you get that? Yep. (laughs) Okay, fantastic. So let me ask, how do you decide what you want to say yes or no to? You know, to me, it's got to be in alignment with, is it a good use of my time? And does it really matter to me? You know, so so those are, are two really important questions, you know, because the money is important and we can analyze the ROIs. But assuming that the numbers make sense, you know, am I going to appreciate putting my time here? Does it matter? Is it in alignment with my values? I want to make sure I'm participating with organizations and or projects that are in alignment with those things. Yeah, I, I love that. When I interviewed Dan Locke, he said at the beginning, you have to say yes to a lot of things because you need to be busy and you need clients. Then as you get more established, you can start saying no more often. Then when you get really established, you can say no to just about everything. Do you find that that's been your curve as well? I mean, that's fair, but I think the discipline to not say yes to everything early on is maybe a good habit I challenge to that outline. I think it is true. The arc is fair. But, you know, being able to be good at saying no, you know, there, there's bad projects, there's bad clients, there's bad yeah. things out there, even when we're smaller. Yeah, I've I've said no to clients whose projects I think didn't really quite resonate with who I am and what I want to do. And that has freed up so much mental space. It's unbelievable. I love that. So how do you set up your day for success? Oh, I have an amazing administrative assistant, executive assistant. Uh, she is awesome. I really lean on calendaring 
and, you know, and a routine. So I have my whole day where I don't have to worry about it. And I have a team manager and my assistant managing that. And honestly, I have my routines in the morning. I have a lot of my quiet time isn't in the evening after work. It's to free up my space in the time in the morning. So I'll read or, you know, you know, have my breakfast and then time alone in the morning. So having that space in the morning is important. And then heading into a day that is organized before the day has started is key. Yeah, that's great. So, Aaron, what is your superpower? What do you do better than anyone else? Oh, <laughs> so... Quick answer off the top of my head is I apply what I learn. I love mm. to learn. I love to learn. And I, I had a friend tell me it was my entrepreneurial superpower. He's like, everything you learned in our entrepreneurs group, you just seem to have put into play. And I am thankful for it because as my business approaches, you know, a 10x sort of uh, scenario and we keep scaling up, applying all those lessons learned is really important. Yeah. What do you think is the single biggest lesson that you have learned and applied to your business? Sorry, working from home, technical noises back here. It's always so loud. Sorry, what was that question, Brian? Biggest lesson that you have learned and applied to your business. Oh, man, don't be Superman. You know, even if you're smart, even if you know your product, even if you love your product and your project or your clients, you cannot and should not do it all yourself. You know, find the thing you love, and just because you can doesn't mean you should. So hire those team members, build a team. That, that's where we really find success when we go together. Yeah. So let me ask, when did you reach the epiphany that you actually needed a team? Because you were a solopreneur first, right? Yeah, early on, early on. But I also realized there was a piece of the job from day one I wasn't great at. Um, and what I mean by that is actually payroll, <laughs> the paying the drivers, right? I'm a creative entrepreneur. I love it. I like all the pieces, but you know, I'm not that guy to pay all, uh, you know, and do all the little nuances and make sure the 1099s get out on time. So from day one, I had hired somebody to come after her day job one or two days a week in the evenings. And, you know, I outsourced a piece of the puzzle and that's, Honestly, it was a good step because it felt good. Didn't have to worry about that piece because I didn't really like that piece. It was an easy one to let go, yeah. but it was a good lesson. Absolutely. So here's a fun question I've been asking lately, and I love the answers I've been getting. You're getting ready to attack the Death Star, and you were on your final approach. What song are you cranking? Wow, fun question. What did I used to listen to all the time? Well... Going in that scenario, probably some rage against the machine. You know, mm. we could pick our song, but I think the vibe here is more important than the song. Sure, sure. You, know, you just put the rage against the machine on, crank it up to 11, as you say, and uh, yeah. we're going to go get it done. Yeah, it sounds like you're ready to do some battle when you play some of that, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just get your game face on, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, Aaron, what is the biggest risk that you've ever taken in business, and how did it work out for you? Great question. You know, I mean, they're not all wins. Um, right. I think a really great risk I took years ago, it wasn't a win then, but I, I think the lessons learned and the adaptation of what we're doing now is, is still a big one for me, which is we tried to do a whole version of this business for the 1099 industry in the salon space. 
right? And in the salon and spas, where in that world, there's a lot of 1099 workers. It wasn't just drivers. We wanted to do what we do and support 1099 workers over there. And we just weren't ready from technology. So we kind of swung and failed. And it was a big risk. We invested and created jobs and ended up, you know, kind of having to scuttle the project. Now, as we head into 2020, we look at future versions of that idea years later. I'll look at those things. But, man, it was a risk, and it, it wasn't necessarily the the biggest win, you know, so it's okay. Sure, and and it's not all going to be uh, big, you know, unicorns and flowers. You have learning experiences along the way, too. So let me ask, what do very few people know about you that might surprise us? Huh. A pretty open book. What do people not know about me? Um, all right, fun fact. Uh, I used to, you know, sing and dance. That's what I would say. Most wow. people go, wait, what are you talking about? And back in college, you know, there might be a video out there from the 90s of me doing a little musical theater here and there. So Sure. There's your fun facts. <laughs> yeah. So what shows did you do? Uh, the one I remember in particular spending so much time on was, was Bye Bye Birdie in particular. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's interesting. In high school, we did not do that, but I tried talking our director into doing that, but we only did a musical every other year. And right. my senior year was the other year where we didn't do a show. I tried convincing her to let us do a show that year, and it didn't happen. So we did Andy Gear Gun and The Sound of Music. So those are fun you. shows. Did uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. I played Oberon in that one in high school, too. So that was pretty fun. Now, no singing and dancing in that one. No, no singing and dancing in that one at all. Absolutely. <laughs> so while I'm thinking about it, what what resources do you have available to share for people that might want to check you out? Oh, uh, yeah, great question. So um, first things first, just go to our website, um, ddiwork.com. That's Delivery Drivers, Inc., W-O-R-K.com. So if you go to ddiwork.com, we've got lots of great resources for you if you're an active driver or if you're interested to be a driver. You want to know what it's like to be in the 1099 game, what some of the FAQs and things like that. We've got a lot of great resources. Of course, if you're an active driver, you need some insurance, you need some more work, things like that. Absolutely come check that out. Um, there's also a lot of conversation right now going on around Prop 22 and, you know, the, the debate about the evolving rules around. Now, that's in California, but in what is a contract, an independent contractor, what isn't an independent contractor. Um, and so we've got some great resources about Prop 22. If you want to come check out the, the truth about Prop 22, you can come find that at DDI Work as well. Fantastic. What are some of the most influential books or mentors that you've encountered in your journey? Oh, great question. A book I, I love. I, I try to read it every couple of years. And really, I recommend it to almost every entrepreneur I coach, if they haven't read it, uh, is The E-Myth. Uh, the E-Myth. Uh, it's a, just a fantastic book that, you know, we kind of go back and it talks about Ray Kroc and, you know, some just kind of strategic blocking and tackling that 25 years later, uh, you know, Michael Gerber from The E-Myth, it's just uh, something I still reference and go back to. That's fantastic. What is the scariest thing you have ever done? Huh. Good question. Well, I don't know. You catch me off guard with that one. Hmm. Hmm. Trying to think. Done some scary things. Recently, I'll give you a recent answer. And it was, yeah, it was pretty scary, if I'm just being honest. We, uh, I was doing an entrepreneur day with the Navy SEALs. 
uh, down in San Diego, doing a little leadership day and this and that, and beyond some of the crazy stuff we were doing when they were kind of, you know, making us work hard and kicking our butts on the beach, uh, we all jumped out of the helicopter together into the ocean. So that was a uh, adrenaline rush, to say the least. Oh, absolutely. If you could talk to the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him? Uh, stay on the path. You're on the right path. Just just keep doing the things you want to do and, and ask yourself why every time, uh, every step along the way. That's amazing. Any big bucket list items you have not fulfilled yet? You know, I'm a traveler. I work to travel and live to travel. I got a huge list. Not going to get into the list right now, Brian, but uh, I miss it. That's my call out to my sad moment for 2020. Like I, I can look forward to the time we can get back out and I can start checking off those next places on my map that I, I want to get that stamp on my passport. So. Fantastic. And as we come up toward the end of the show, here's the question I ask everyone who inspires and motivates you. You know, that is a great question for me. It's gotta be my kids. You know, I've got two kids that are uh, both seniors, one in high school and one in college, and uh, they are amazing and they are smart. And, you know, just beyond the, the proud dad moments, you know, to see them and the things they do and the questions they ask and, and the future they have ahead of them is, is why you work so hard. Fantastic. And one more time, how can we find you? How can we try with you and vibe with you? Yeah, absolutely. No, appreciate it. You know, beyond the website at ddiwork.com, I am pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. So come connect with me directly. Tell you, you know, send me a message, say that you heard me on uh, Success Profiles with Brian, and, and I'll be happy to, to chat with you and connect, talk about anything you'd like. All right, Aaron, thank you so much for being here. This was fun. Yeah, thanks again. I appreciate the time, man. You're welcome. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join me every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever, learn what they did, what they overcame, and the lessons we can learn along the way from their journey. Until next week, have a great one, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. Have a great week. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright.